0: is really going on crypto savages you are listening to the coin spice podcast with host c edward kelso editor-in-chief at coinspice.io your home for spicy crypto things on the net what is really going on crypto savages this is your host c edward kelso editor-in-chief out at coinspice.io back with another episode of the coin spice podcast this time around i've got tim swanson Tim is a, an incredible voice within the cryptocurrency ecosystem mostly because he, he kind of stands outside of it. He has an intimate knowledge of mining, of uh, distributed ledger technology. Uh, he also works uh, quite a bit in the, on the enterprise side as, as an advisor to consortiums. He knows both ends, finance and blockchain cryptocurrency um, parts. That's super important right now because we're in such an interesting uh, time in our history. We both want to be sort of these cypherpunks, these permissionless, go-go anarchists, you know, screw the bank sort of thing, but yet we also want to support Coinbase. We're waiting for Bact to come in and save us and we're waiting for institutional money and ETFs and all the rest of it. So he's a really good person to talk to about that tension. Um, and also who's controlling the narrative, who's, who's kind of saying what the history was and, and how Bitcoin and crypto sort of enfolded and, and, and became what it is today. Uh, he's a critic on all those fronts and someone who's invaluable to speak to and kind of get a sense of, of, uh, you know, from a literate perspective of where the space is and perhaps where it's headed. Uh, I really thought this was a great discussion, and I learned a ton. Uh, I think you will, too. Um, without any further ado, here is Tim Swanson.
1: Yeah,
0: so thanks again for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, congratulations. First off, before we, we get into the, the formal part of the show, uh, uh, this episode is uh, congratulations on the initial human offering, as, uh, <laughs> as, as, as muggles would call it, your, your baby. Uh, have, have you gotten any sleep?
1: Um, the first week and a half was horrible. I don't recommend anyone (laughs) having, having kids if the first week and a half for the same thing. Uh, we've had the baby, our baby girl is just over a month old now. Uh, and fortunately my wife has been able to get, uh, six plus hours of sleep. Not, not all, not as in a a long extended period, just, uh, during, during the evening, she's able to to get that uh, total amount. So that's, that's great. Uh, myself, uh, I'm getting about that, but there's that that phrase: you can never be as happy as your wife is, and <laughs> so just, you can never be more happy than your wife. I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I have to make sure that she's uh, she's taken care of.
0: Very cool. Well, again, congratulations, and uh, I appreciate you coming on with such uh, short notice here. Um, well, let's let's kind of get into it for folks who might not know um, you uh, as well as I do, and have been following you for as long as I have. Um, to me, you've, you're you're more recently seeming like a um, almost like a media critic, and I find that side of your work uh, valuable. But uh, you certainly have uh, done a lot more than just that. So, can you kind of go into your background a little bit? How how it dovetails into in into crypto?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, got into this quote unquote space. I actually use finger quotes, as I said that uh, completely by accident, not by design. Um, Really late 2012, early 2013, I did some hobbying, uh, hobbyist mining. I even posted a couple uh, guides on how to how to set up a GPU system. So I had uh, free electricity in my apartment in Shanghai um, before moving uh, back to the U.S. Uh, it's funny I, I, I got into all that and. Uh, Now there's these really angry folks who even deny my own existence in that. So let's pretend that I didn't do anything until uh, early 2014. I I published a very short book uh, which was basically a a bit of market research from uh, some investors I spoke to, entrepreneurs, um, and developers. And I published that. I think it was in March 2014. So it's about five years, uh, almost to today. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's funny. Almost all those, if you if you look through page through that really fast, uh, basically everything in there is either wrong or out, massively outdated, or some I, I think <laughs> people have been either arrested or have been sued. So it's like that. That I don't recommend anyone you know go out and buy it. But number two, I, there's this the space has moved. Uh, I hate calling it a space because there is <laughs> it's so ill-defined what that means. But um, yeah, I, I, that that document propelled me uh, to some other uh, research roles. Um, I think a number of people know me most because of my I, I was uh, early uh, advisor and then one of the first employees. To a company called R3, uh, which put together a consortia of financial institutions, and where I was I've a head of research there, but I had a couple other different roles uh, at the same time. Um, and then I, I left that uh, company about 18 months ago, set up my own um, tech advisory company. And uh, most of my clients, past 18 months, have been primarily on what we call the, the enterprise side of the ecosystem. I, I don't like that term, but that's kind of what people use in, in common day language. Uh, and we can talk about what that what that actually means or what it th- doesn't mean. Um, and so, yeah, today uh, I uh, I do actual work for actual companies, but uh, then I also um, uh, occasionally uh, chime in on, on social media. And I have my own uh, private newsletter that, that I also have some 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 good good old uh, fact checking that I do in there.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, and uh, about your newsletter, it um, it is it gets passed around quite a bit. Um, and, uh, that's how I, I, first came upon you. Um, a lot of the guys that I run with are, Hey, check this out, read this. And that's <laughs> on. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, another way that I found you was, uh, I guess a, it might not have been a galley copy, but, uh, an earlier, uh, iteration of the truth machine by, uh, Vina and Casey. And they tried to kind of be all things to all people. Um, I think the book was, was kind of rushed, kind of pushed um, in, in, uh, in favor of the, uh, the crypto boom of, of late uh, 2017. And, and as you, you corrected me when we started here, um, it was actually released early, almost a year to the, uh, to the day um, in February of 2018. But that book by Wall Street Journal, um, Connected and, and Working for Journalists, um, became a, a, a real standard, and I, I believe it's going to go, if it hasn't already, into paperback. Um, you, to, to people in the space, um, <laughs> let me get back to that word, uh, to people who, who read it, who are uh, savvy and kind of been in as long as you have, um, the, the, the book leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and you actually, a, another way that I came upon you, uh, was through your blog and you actually take that thing apart uh, the the truth machine almost page
1: by page right yeah it was page by page i uh, i was on an airplane a friend had let me uh, uh give me a copy of it his copy and I, <laughs> as I as i'm reading it and i'm sure you know you should have them on the show so they could defend themselves or something sure. like that but uh, it was just like if you read my notes in the margin it was every page i had this i, I want to say triggered but it was just things that sounded either wrong or massively biased. I mean, we uh, they, they, they actually paint me and another guy named Preston Byrne as, you know, demons, as these villains in this whole narrative of convincing banks not to use Bitcoin, which is just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, we could go into that if you want, but like... I, this, I for sure do. This, this book, it's, just, it's, it's riddled with uh, what you said, uh, errors, I think, because they try to rush it out to get there at the top of the hype. Again, at the top of the peak of the, the hype cycle, again, I, I don't know their side of the the argument for why they, they published it when they did, but it, it seemed, um, even even ignoring my arguments about how I felt it was one-sided or biased, just factually, um, number of errors I posted in a very long book review. It took me significant, uh, like, I'm trying to think how many weeks, because I, I, I had to do my normal job and then I had to go through and, you know, type up all these little notes I put together. So, um, I did so, the same thing for a couple other books too. I'm not trying to single their book out. No,
0: yeah, and and uh, it's it's invaluable reading because I think um, you know we we tend to kind of uh, as as readers um, you know kind of take the last word as gospel and kind of move on from there. And this book is 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 worth considering, maybe if, if not you know directly for the content, then for the influence it. it ha- I mean, it's literally everywhere, uh, especially when it comes to crypto topics. So. Uh, to correct the record or to get a chance to annotate it or to push back is, I, I think, really important, and you're one of the few that I've seen that have actually taken the time to do that. So first off, what, why, why do you think it was, I mean, other than what we just discussed with regard to you know, trying to kind of capture, uh, which is, you know I'm not blaming them, but um, you know, they have a lot to say about the subject, and they're writing about it all the time, uh, and some of them are actually invested in, in, in critical aspects of, of the ecosystem. Why do you think they wrote it? Like, 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 what, what do you think? What was the point they were trying to get across? Do you think?
1: Um, well, I think, my, well, at least my takeaway, and again, it'd be good that maybe have the, um, them on the show uh, to find out what what the reason were. But uh, I felt that my takeaway was that they um, are fairly um, involved in many different aspects and conversations and dialogues with the various participants. I, I, I'm trying to say, not say the word space, but that's really <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, in, in their daily, life, I think um, Michael, uh, Michael Casey said he spends about 80% of his time doing MIT DCI stuff. Um, so the other 20% he's doing, um, I guess, unrelated or something related to Coindesk or, other other projects he he may be uh, on his plate and uh you know paul's still over at the wall street journal right uh, still writing about cryptocurrency related stuff so i i assume it's because that's what they're passionate about that's what they're really interested in that's what their daily lives are um and they put they tried to put together a narrative um that went from you know discussing maybe some of the the politics and the 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 technical technological parts and but to me my my takeaway is it came across as uh, overly political uh, that didn't need to be, and then the technical stuff they, they missed out uh, on a number of pieces as well. And what and it,
0: it, it, kind of a critical aspect that I like that you did as as a, as a, um, a quasi journalist here on on my I'm calling myself that um, is that you actually kind of reached out to people like uh, Roger Ver of Bitcoin.com um, and the Bitmain crew, and you kind of asked you know did did. These guys talk to you? Like, did they interview? They even bother to get kind of your side of things, and um, that's something no one has brought up. And can you go into that a little bit as to why you did that?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, the first part was uh, the reason I did that is because I actually reached out to Preston Byrne because they they paint him as a villain. I've I've known Preston for about five years or so. Uh, He actually helped uh, edit my my that book I mentioned, uh, Great Chain of Numbers uh, back in February, March, 2014. And I was like, Hey, look, have you, have you seen how they describe and characterize you? And he's like, Oh, this is, this is frustrating. And so he actually wrote, you know, this long response back. I was like, you mind if I post this?" So uh, once, once I did that, I, I was like, well, maybe I should do the same thing for these other folks. It didn't seem like they were, you know, I don't remember the actual words in, in the book, but it was, it was describing the, uh, the block size debate, block size war, whatever you want to call it. And, um, how they're like, Oh, it's unclear why this the uh, this Chinese company, Bitmain, was doing this. And I was like, why don't you just email them? I mean that's not that hard. I've I've met <laughs> I've met all these different people. Message them. Send I saw, I mean I actually emailed Roger. I was like, hey, did they, did they reach out to you? He's like, no, they did not. And then I contacted Bitmain. And one of their advisors said, "No, that they, they had not been done." That. So I was like, "How hard could that be?" I mean, they're the Wall Street Journal folks and you know MIT backgrounds. Surely that they they could have one of their assistants do that. So again, I don't know what their excuse is, but they did that to a number of other people. And so I, I felt that's why I felt that this was rushed. Like if they just spent like another couple of days or another couple of weeks, just kind of you know ironing out some of that, uh, they could have actually removed some sections I think from the book because of the way they they I think unfairly uh, painted and characterized folks like myself or Preston uh, or, or uh, the you know the BCH crew, as it were,
0: and for you in in particular, uh, I remember an essay uh, that uh, that you wrote, or or no, you actually did write it was on uh, permission blockchains, right, and um, all that they involved it uh, uh, involved rather, and I think also uh, Casey and Vina in Truth Machine, it, it what was. When, when I was kind of prepping for our interview, I, I, I kind of read the, the sections on you and, and Preston, and I was looking at them, and I, I really couldn't tell wh- what the import should be or wh- what their main beef was with you because I, I think at the point that you were, you were kind of suggesting about 51% attacks and reorgs and stuff like that, that they were, uh, again, this is their characterization, so I'm trying to kind of bear it out what exactly the issue was. Uh, and problems perhaps with proof of work or, you know, and these, I mean, this is kind of uncontroversial. I mean, uh, as far as I'm able to ascertain. And then I think, geez, what, a few months later, we had uh, Ethereum Classic and some others actually get 51% attacked. And so, I mean, if anything, you've been, I guess, validated. So um, can you kind of go into maybe what their problem, like, do you understand what they were even criticizing you about? Uh, you, you mentioned the banks, but uh, with regard to permission blockchains and so on?
1: Yeah, so th- that's a, this is some good questions there. Thanks for, for bringing that up. Um, so I think that the, the characterization in the book actually stems from some off offline conversations I've had with both of them over the years, uh, including an interview with uh, Michael back in 2015 after I wrote that paper. Uh, it was on permission blockchains. That was the first paper that anyone had written about it. Uh, I did, by the way, I did not coin that term. That term actually comes from a guy named Robert Sams, who runs a company called Clearmatics I'm advising. But that's a whole another conversation. But my my point is is from that initial phone call I had with him, um it, he uh, I believe he said, "Tim, but how th- this doesn't doesn't sync with the utopia of you know the Bitcoin world." Um, and that's right. <laughs> again that that's not, that wasn't the purpose of these things. You know, the Bitcoin world could live separate uh, and it will live separately from all these other uh, endeavors. I don't see them as a, a one has to dominate the other. Although I guess if you're a maximalist, that's that's kind of your mindset that only one chain or one ledger or whatever can rule the world. Uh, I don't agree with that that particular view. But anyways. Um, hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 excerpts. I I'd actually received a, a pre-release of those as well because somebody was saying, "Tim, they they make you out to be uh, these villains," which basically it was the point you just made. That hey, uh, if you're a regulated financial institution and you had these. Uh, These instruments, these financial instruments with long life cycles, why would you put them on a chain that has the potential to be reorg and have no legal recourse about it? Now, the way I described it in in other venues or uh, other uh, writings in 2015, maybe they're still holding on to that. That's fine. But they didn't really cite exactly what their frustration was. I didn't see anything in the footnotes. So my my assumption is that they were just kind of bringing in the context from the old, uh, uh, these other previous conversations into it. Um, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because to your point, you know, there's been multiple different chains, not just Ethereum Classic, although that's probably right. the, certainly the most prominent uh, recently. It, it, I, and this wasn't even my own argument. I was rearticulating what uh, various other folks, like when I wrote that permission, you know, blockchain paper, as it were, I spoke to all these different vendors and almost all those vendors had developers on those teams that were like, oh, yeah, uh, it's not uncommon to already you know go after these little alt coins i think coil coin is something that was attacked like six years ago i think Luke dash jr was involved in that or something like that but my point is is these these arguments that i had put forth uh were not necessarily mine but not only that but they had shown to be historically true and they've only continued to take place uh throughout you know since the publication of their book so um yeah i guess uh (laughs) it'd be good to, to find out exactly what the beef is as it were um, and then if, if you want I could, I could kind of dive into what this enterprise world is since we're kind of on that topic
0: yeah and and for sure and, and just to kind of buttress your point um, which you know so far the interview is just me serving you softballs but I, I swear <laughs> that uh, this is really how I feel about it um, I you know I, I can be aggressive or not but this really is how I feel about it um, the, the I, I believe there's there's always going to be a tension between as we're just about to get into the enterprise folks, or the um, as a, because this is maybe unfair, but the more institutional folks who are looking at the financial side, and people who come at it from a tinkerer's point of view, from a developer's point of view, from a uh, like you said, hobbyist, or people who got into it out of out of kind of a <clears throat> an, a, a an, an enthusiasm, because the cypherpunk ethos is. There are no sacred cows. Let's just take it apart and see what this thing is and see what it can do. So, when you're talking to engineers and developers and so on, they 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 want to know all the possible ways in which this is vulnerable. There, I mean, for God's sake, there's a whole industry dedicated to bug bounties and <laughs> and they they challenge people to come in and, and try to break this thing that they've built. So, if, if anything, you you know, even if you didn't intend to you'd kind of fallen into our camp where you were like, you know, Hey, this could happen. And in our space, we're very, very fond of saying if it can happen, it's going to happen. So um, I thought you're it, from what I took from, and I was like, even though they were trying to paint you as a villain, I was like, he's a good guy. Like, <laughs> like he's, he's actually trying to, if again, they might've gotten it all wrong and stumbled onto a point they weren't trying to make, but if anything, you were, you were prescient, but yeah. On to the enterprise, there's, wow, there's some news, right? So um, I guess right now, dealing with security and surveillance and that tension between how far do crypto enthusiasts want to go into the mainstream world and back and forth, uh, we've got some issues with Coinbase and Neutrino. And I think as we, we talked about it uh, before, you, you have some thoughts on it, right?
1: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned a number of things there that you brought up that I think we can touch on. Um, real fast, when, 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 I, when I try to use the term enterprise, uh, again, I don't like that term. It's just, That's kind of how these, these companies describe themselves. It's roughly a dozen or so companies that are trying to build infrastructure for regulated financial institutions. I would describe. I would use them, and I would separate them from these quote-unquote institutional investments okay, that's a uh, related point. to uh, cryptocurrencies. Uh, even though some of them have, are are being underwritten by the same types of financial institutions, these large banks and asset managers, um, the functions are very very different. Um, so, and actually, in, on your point again, I'm not trying to score points with uh, any particular crowd at this stage, but I I don't see why cryptocurrency. Uh, if you're truly trying to live this quote unquote cypherpunk ethos or whatever you know how however defined, um, why you would want to have regulated financial institutions to use your proof of work networks because all they're going to do in the long run is if these networks are you know quote unquote supporting trillions of dollars of value is, Want to have legal recourse? They 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 want to have reduced risk and, and and hold folks accountable. So if there's ever like a reorg or if there's a fee that was fat fingered or something like that, they're going to want to have a way of having restitution to that. And as a result, they'll end up potentially you know lobbying for laws or uh, pushing for um, you know specific in uh, entities in that disintermediation process to be re-intermediated. So right. I, th- I think it's actually <laughs> self-defeating. But again, uh, I'm apparently one of the few people who, who, who is actually saying, no, I don't, don't bring that in. But again, I, have, I can't stop um, institutions from, from playing around with trading desks. Uh, that's not you – know, But, not but it, it
0: really about. is <clears> – <throat> I think that's where we are right now because we've got a bunch of people on – and I'm speaking from the sort of the crankier side of things – uh, the more radical side of things and i'm not saying that as a good or bad i'm just it's kind of the the pool that i that i represent um the tension is we have a bunch of people waiting for etfs uh they're waiting for this uh this this backed uh, um um you know ex- uh, sort of ice infused uh starbucks coffee i mean it there's all these moon dreams that we've had for uh, that the that the space has had for years but there really is that tension that you're talking about so be careful because when you invite them in, you want that speculative price to jump, but it comes with uh, it comes with a huge, huge,
1: huge bargain. Yeah, kind of a double's bargain, right? Uh, really, you, you want to? Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally agree with you. Sorry. So anyway, yeah, um, so the tension between enterprise then and and uh, crypto is is very very real. And Coinbase, just to kind of redirect us back there. Um, is, is emblematic of that, right, of, of, of that tension.
1: Yeah, so I think that what, what you're referring to is, with Coinbase specifically this time around um, is their acquisition of a company that um, provides, at least they market themselves as an analytics provider uh, for compliance reasons, particularly for AML, anti-money laundering laws. Um, and the, it turns out that the management team, or at least two or three people uh, on, on the executive team, um, previously worked for a spyware entity called, um, hacker or hacking team, hacking team, um, which, uh, provided, uh, basically the dictators of the world and authoritarian governments of the world with tools to spy on, uh, the res, not only the residents, but, uh, whistleblowers or hu- human rights activists and so forth. And, um, there's been a, Supposed to backlash. This this hashtag delete Coinbase has been going on. I, I I think it's kind of again. This is just my own view. I I I think that most people that are really complaining probably weren't even Coinbase customers in the first place. <laughs> not, not not that that justifies. Not that that to- uh, gets rid of their argument, but. Um, I, if you look at these people who are who, who push initially, these are the guys who you know have been saying get your coins off of you know intermediaries for years, never use you know Coinbase types of things. So uh, putting that aside for the moment, the analytics providers uh, out there, there's there's a handful of them. In full disclosure, I'm an advisor to one called Bloxier. Uh, there's others like Chainalysis, Elliptic uh, right. out there, ScoreChain. Um, they all kind of do the same thing in the sense that they all work with exchanges to help. Provide AML analytics, and most of this stuff, or actually almost all of it, is public information. Like the fact that you're uh, sending a transaction on uh, Bitcoin blockchain or th- the Ethereum blockchain, uh, you're leaving a footprint, as it were. And if you connect those uh, those uh, footprints to well, legal identities, you can potentially build a case against uh, participants. So there was the most recent one, and this is why I think Coinbase may felt may have felt the need to to acquire someone is, uh, there was a news story about a month or so ago, maybe five, six weeks, uh, by an Israeli newspaper that connected some transactions with Hamas. Fundraising, I think, was like $2,500. Right. Uh huh. And it was through a Coinbase account. And this is right around the same time that the head data scientist at Coinbase was leaving. Uh, So there's a lot of, again, I'm not saying that they aren't all just coincidences, but the timing of it was such that, um, if your head of data science is leaving and you're, you're getting some bad press because of this incident with Hamas, uh, maybe you go out of your way to just acquire a team that's on the market so that way you could assuage uh, regulators and get that competency you know, brought on board. Um, I don't have evidence of that, but you know, I, I several, uh, I don't want to say insiders, but some folks familiar with the situation have, have uh, speculated the same thing. Um. Either way, they they it, it's back uh, backfired on the organization in the sense that to uh, say to put it mildly, <laughs> put it mildly, um, and that's again that's um, if, if people think that other exchanges aren't going to be doing the same thing in the sense the analytics isn't going to take place, there it's going to take place. It's just who's who's actually running the show. Uh, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not saying everyone else on these other teams is from the hacking team, but there's only a small group of people who are probably really familiar with it right now perhaps that will change in the future again i'm not trying to justify the purchase i'm not trying to uh dismiss the concerns uh i, I obviously have my own uh strong views about <laughs> not 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 enabling uh uh authoritarians i previously worked out in, in china for a number of years and i can tell you all of my, my disdain for things like the great firewall but it's a whole other conversation uh, beyond the scope of this uh, podcast
0: yeah and so you having that that kind of intimate knowledge i think is is super important to have you on right now because of the, the conversation that Coinbase and Neutrino uh, bring us into. And I think you framed it very well. You kind of set it up uh, nicely. So to kind of take us back to your initial premise, which was when you invite these guys in and, and when you have the Coinbases of the world out there, and I mean, on the positive side to kind of steel man Coinbase, and, and I'm a fan from afar. I'm, I've never used the product. Uh, Again, because I've got the cranky ideological stuff behind me. But to steel man them a bit, I mean, they have onboarded, you know, millions of people into crypto uh, who may otherwise, you know, didn't want to download, you know, a wallet, have to deal with keys. And, you know, Lord knows what else you might have to deal with on on local Bitcoins. They just found the whole process icky. Coinbase kind of smoothed that out, had a nice UX, get in there, get out, link into your bank account, bada boom, bada bing. And they have taken that business model that i i you know completely <laughs> flattened here but they've taken the, the business model and moved it out to get you know the the bit license they're uh, moving into custodial services professional uh, stuff so they're they're trying to kind of be both the kind of have a foot in that in that crazy crypto world and also in 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 the mainstream and then you get the neutrino which i had not heard uh, your your insight there so what you're saying is, is that they'd had some issues going forward um, with, uh, with tracking where money was coming and going, and so maybe they, there's, there's maybe a thought that <laughs> they were trying to address that subject by bringing in pros, and in doing so, they kind of just doubled down on, on what might be a, an incredibly bad idea in terms of um, public relations.
1: Yeah, I don't think okay, if you looked at all the companies that they could have acquired. Let's assume everyone was on the market that provides analytics. Uh, I, I think they, Jesse
0: of Kraken actually put something up like this. Yeah, ahead. he he,
1: yeah, he tweeted something yesterday. like five different companies. Elliptic uh, was one of them. Uh, Chainalysis and and a couple others, including um, this <laughs> this uh, highly flammable uh, company. the uh, The point being though is if they acquired any of them, it wouldn't have made anyone happy. It's just this is more egregious because of the hacking team background. Right. Uh, Again, people have been complaining that analysis or these other companies for the same you know hey how dare you spy on us well like look this information is public it's, I mean you you can't tell me I can't look at it like it's supposed to be permissionless exactly. access to data right uh, to, to use that term that they, they, they prefer um so yeah we, we could <laughs> we could talk for, for for a while on the analytics part but if you wanted to <clears throat> just to take a step back on on this this quote unquote institutionalization of, of funding, I, I think that the, the the area again I'm not trying to bring in a common group of family or or build bridges per se, but um, the intermediation or the re intermediation of of this the, the cryptocurrency world it to me seems like a complete contradiction. Like my reading from uh, the the original Satoshi paper and uh, documents from th- thereafter was uh, the purpose of that was to remove intermediaries. Again, I, I don't, I'm not ideological. I, I, uh, if anything, right. I'm like the anti-maximalist, as it were. Um, but the, if that was the goal, if the goal was to create a payment system in which uh, unknown participants could send without it being gated uh, e-cash to somewhere, someone else without an intermediary uh, processing that or at least doing KYC, as it were, um, it seems like the, that trend is completely reversed. We have enormous amount of intermediaries, including Coinbase, that are effectively uh, systemically important to that ecosystem. Um, we, you know, we, could, we could talk about that forever, but that's why I, 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 I feel that, <laughs> that uh, if, I, if I do talk too much or, or if I do end up tweeting, it's because I, I see a lot of irony in, in how this uh, ecosystem has evolved in the last 10 years. Let's see, I didn't use the word space. I used the word, I used the euphemism. In that 10 <laughs> um, if you want, we could really quickly dive into what I call the actual enterprise DLT world. Yeah,
0: and that, that was where I was going to head to uh, right right now. So how does, how does, it, what's the connection then to enterprise if it's if it's not institutional and you're not dyeing your hair blue and you don't have an anarchy, anarchy tattoo? So you're not, you're not, you know, brian armstrong and you're not tim may um are you sort of the happy medium there or
1: no i think the two 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 worlds uh, so i if again not to defend the cypherpunks but if the original ethos ethos was to create a an alternative um ecosystem for which they can conduct commerce um i i can't do anything to prevent that at this stage like and not what i would I want to spend any effort to do that? It seems like futile for me to try and try to stop it. But um, I, I, I think you could take some of the lessons of h- how you can disintermediate stuff and, and do and re- reapply those in a world of highly regulated financial institutions. Uh, and I, I learned that process through advising or being an advisor to these different companies and having all these different conversations with uh, financial institutions that are, that are highly competitive with one another um, and yet, they still have to rely on, and they have to legally rely on, um, using certain intermediaries to settle transactions. So there's this world of uh, financial market infrastructures, Is that, that's what the, the term is, FMI, um, that are things like CSDs, these central securities depositories, uh, central banks. You have CCPs, uh, central counterparties, like clearing houses, such as CME, um, that provide... Uh, these very useful societal, like, well, I should say, soci- socially useful functions, in the sense that they provide settlement and certainty around that. Um, although, on the flip side, because they're so heavily concentrated post 2008, uh, because of all the different mergers and acquisitions, um, you have highly concentrated systemic risk. So, if these institutions blow up, uh, then you could not you. don't even have to check your your balances at different accounts because it just it just won't exist. Like uh, if if one of these large ignoring even a CSD or CCP going under, even a large custody bank going under uh, would wreak havoc across an entire uh, country, if not countries. Again, I'm not trying to scare people into. I'm just saying, that like you have some serious issues, and this is, I'm not the person who was like saw saw this. This is uh, something that regulators have been uh, trying to grapple for for decades. That's why there's actually. Uh, sets of guidelines have been built uh, by different financial, uh, uh, non-profit organizations and international bodies like IOSCO and the Bank of International Settlements. Um, I know that the, the cryptocurrency people don't necessarily like them. That's that's fine. I'm not. You know, they're not trying to. <laughs> they're not trying to wave the the anarchy flag. But the uh, there there are some uh, I think good reflective points to potentially reuse uh, from the the, the cryptocurrency. World tried to uh, illustrate whether whether they went through that vision. That's a whole other conversation. But um, with the the world, for example, with Clearmatics, uh, the, the, they're my primary client at this stage, and I'm, I've been an advisor for them for a number of years. Uh, they put together a, a, a consortia uh, around uh, creating a central bank digital currency. I know that sounds ironic. Hey Tim, how can you how can you rely on central <laughs> banks to, to issue currency? How does that at all discrimination? Well. You can actually disintermediate uh, participants in the post-trade process. What post-trade is is uh, <clears throat> you know you and I as retail users of uh, of a of a broker, uh, we may execute. We may ask the broker to send a trade in, uh, where the exchange uh, actually executes that, and then that process after the execution um, is becomes this post-trade process. And it, it is everyone may think that. It's super smooth and clean, but you have breakages, you have errors, um, and in the settlement process, the actual clearing and settlement of, of, of that of that trade, not only takes several days, but um, could end up a- in a situation in which you don't necessarily know who actually owns it. That's that's not a risk that people necessarily want to have. They want to have uh, riskless or risk-free or less risky uh, trades, especially the the larger they are. Uh, so. There's an entire apparatus, this uh, multi-billion dollar apparatus of this thing called post-trade settlement uh, world, and uh, part of that involves um, how cash is actually sent to uh, settle this. Uh, there's these acronyms, DVP, PVP, it's delivery versus payment, payment versus payment. Uh, one's involving securities, one's involving foreign exchange. But the bottom line, if you're a listener and you're trying to understand it, there's a, an entire world of acronyms that are actually very useful for us uh, to for society to function, uh, you may not like it as an anarchist and you want to get rid of it, that's fine. I'm not saying that it has to exist in the way it does. In fact, I'm, 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 the point of me working with these organizations is to try and change how uh, risk is, uh, has been concentrated uh, with technology. And so I'm not getting to sit here and, and, and shill a particular solution, but uh, other than I, I, I've written on this topic, as have uh, some of my friends like Sarah Finan uh, on this topic of DFMI, the centralized financial market infrastructure. How can you take existing financial market infrastructure that, that is provides a socially useful function, settlement, uh, the optics, the transparency, and oversight, um, and then uh, how can you remove the intermediaries that no longer need to provide that function because technology can replace those particular functions? I know there's a long-winded explanation, but no, no, it's
0: is. it's really good, and I'm I'm learning a ton here. So, <clears throat> to, to put it into to my ease um, for for listeners here. It's that that we have. um, Let's say in the United States, we have good money, which I know is is heretical to say, but relatively speaking, (laughs) um, we we can, you know, we I I give them my little plastic card, or I fling my numbers onto Amazon, and I get my goodies, I get my plastic crap from China, whatever I get, and everything settles at least as at least as I know, on my end, you know, uh, a certain number of of units were moved out of my account. And wherever they go, they go. But they're no longer mine, and I have the shiny new thing. What you're saying is that there is an entire inf- uh, infrastructure, a scaffolding underneath all that that allows for what to the sort of surface dwelling consumer uh, seems to be fr- uh, frictionless ease. You know, wonderful, uh, fast payments is is actually a whole, um, for lack of a better phrase, a, a trust. Uh, 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 mechanisms that, that, that all kind of operate with each other. And then I think what you're suggesting, and it's something that we've talked about before, um, is that there are innovations through cryptocurrency um, and through the enterprise side and, and sort of institutional finance, which I know you've, you've separated for us, but the combination of all of these three things that can make something that's actually more efficient, um, that's a little bit more honest, that, uh, that kind of combines the best of, uh, of all worlds. And, and the analogy that, that I think of whenever we talk about this stuff is uh, something like NASCAR. So um, you, you see these guys, you know, driving 500 miles uh, on a left turn, and you think, well, this is a ridiculous waste of everybody's time. Like, I don't, un- I don't get it, I don't understand it. But as someone explained, you know, during sort of the pit stops and kind of the, the background is that the innovations out of this seemingly nonsensical um, you know, waste of everybody's time, uh, is, or, you know, actually eventually make it to your car. So it, it uh, your, your Hyundai or your, your Acura or whatever, um, comes with better tires as a result or better tread or, you know, what I can, you know, continue with the analogy, uh, at, at infinitum. But, um, am I, am I, did I did I explain that well or, or, or where did I trip up?
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't think that's a bad analogy. The, uh, uh, the two worlds, if, if we're going to separate the anarchic world of cryptocurrencies to the archic world of law, law and order world of, of uh, regulated financial institutions, um, if, if it's open source tech, or even if it's not open source, you're probably going to, something's going to leak and you're going to find out some information about the, the tech. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see why they couldn't coexist. In fact, uh, I, I think I've been fairly consistent with saying, hey, there's nothing can do about it. These two worlds are going to coexist. If you don't like it, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I am of the view that... Uh, the regulated financial institutions uh, are probably be faster at providing uh, real adoption and it's not going to be to your point like it's the stuff in the background. You and I fortunately do not have to think about how ACH works or how the, the wiring system works, how Swift works. We don't have to do that and that, and I think it's a it's a problem of expectation management for the cryptocurrency world is everyone's trying to get people excited, retail users excited about what's fundamentally financial market infrastructure that is supposed to be in the background, and yet everyone has to become an expert in how to be your own bank or be your own financial market infrastructure, which is a pain in the butt. Everyone's always losing keys, Everyone's yeah. Exchanges, all these exchanges are getting hacked, um, and again, I'm not saying it can't improve or won't get better, I'm sure that there's plenty of good arguments for, for the opposite, but, but fundamentally, a, a cryptocurrency network is some type of uh, financial market uh, Payment system. I know there's a whole group of, I guess, you lobbyists that don't want to use that term because there's a regulatory connotation around. Say, for example, FinCEN um, explicitly e- exempts minors from having to get a uh, money transmitter license. Uh, because it's quote-unquote decentralized. I would argue it's decentralization theater. There's actually, all the miners already know each other. They talk to each other on WeChat. They go to the same events. So that's, that's beside the point. Uh, my, 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 I, uh, your, your analogy about things behind the scenes and about the, the, the NASCARs of the world that, that uh, go through and, 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 and put things through their paces first uh, before they, they quote-unquote trickle down to other areas. Uh, maybe that's true. I, I, I would say that... Uh, uh, at least the, the part in the background I, I hope stays that way. I don't want to have to become an expert on uh, Swift GPI, even though I know what it does at this stage because of all the different <laughs> events that I've been to uh, uh, discussing that, uh, I- any more than I want to know how to actually fly the plane I'm getting into. I mean, it's, it may be nice to, to know how to fly the, the, the Boeing or the Airbus, but you know, the, the cool thing about regular passengers is we, we don't have to become experts in every single thing we do. We don't have to become our own doctors, we don't have to become our own silversmiths, or we don't have to become our own <laughs> uh, mechanics. Uh, if, if we had to become self-sufficient in everything, we could never get anything done because we don't have to be you know, experts in everything. So um, I know it's a long-winded explanation for saying I, I agree with your analogy. Uh, But yeah, I I think there's uh, some expectation management that can be done on both sides. I think the enterprise vendors, if you want to call them, did a horrible job of uh, managing everyone's expectations around uh, financial market infrastructure, how long it would take for post-trade systems to be changed. And the answer to that is that as of March 2019, none of these systems have been been replaced. Uh, In fact, if anything, these companies, you've seen this huge churn of of executives uh, most recently you know, digital assets uh, right they've lost their CEO they've had two CTOs in 16 months so you know I'm not trying to single them out I'm just saying it's really difficult and if you don't manage your investor expectations or uh, user expectations then you could have complete you know burnout and fatigue and I think we have seen that there's been no new quote-unquote enterprise vendors uh, aside from these dozen that have been around for a couple of years uh, I, I, I think of one actually but I won't name them because I don't want to Make them look good or bad. Uh, on the other side of the cryptocurrency world, uh, it's nonstop. It's drama per second. I think is good Günther calls it. So it's it's good fun to watch. Uh, I think that there are some good lessons to be learned uh, from both sides. Uh, although uh, I'm probably not going to win any uh, hugs from <laughs> from the, from the maximalist crowd for, for saying that. On, on, on
0: oh, April. for sure not. For sure not. Um, but the <clears throat> and it's not just a U.S. problem, right? Because we're um, have you been watching uh, what what's going on with with Revolut at all? And uh, and their their
1: yeah, they apparently uh, their compliance team in January it uh, was discovered. Uh, Revolut uh, for those listeners uh, is a fintech company in the UK that's uh, been trying to provide uh, retail banking services without actually having like retail offices. It's basically like an app. Uh, anyways, I mean, they were like, they
0: were a golden child, right? I mean, they could yeah. do that
1: wrong for a while. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, apparently, and I think they actually supported cryptocurrencies at one point. Like they allowed you to track your your Bitcoin uh, you know, wallet, something something related. If you just Google Revolut, yeah, no, no, they they still dabble, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyways, yeah, they uh, some news the last week or so is that they. The compliance team, uh, someone turned off uh, some AML process that tracked where funds were coming from. Uh-huh. And I think the the reaction now has been so bad that... Uh, I think the CFO may have just resigned. I'd have to double-check that. I may be jumping the gun on that. But yeah, basically... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not here to, you know, pick on just cryptocurrency companies going, you know, going bust or being you know, busted. But we see this uh, with fintechs. We see this with regulated financial institutions. Like Wells Fargo uh, was hit with not just fines from the federal government, from, from the states. I think it was half a billion dollars because of uh, this this program they put in place a couple years ago that was very aggressive uh, marketing towards existing customers to open up new accounts. Uh, so it was account inflation. Uh, and, and the whistleblowers who had pointed this out actually got like – their records were were uh, had a black mark on it, so they couldn't get hired from other banks. So right. it's a very perverse system that, in which the retail users themselves got hosed. The whistleblowers and the people who said this is not right got hosed. And then, again, I'm not saying what the punishment should be, but uh, the punishment so far is Wells Fargo has not been allowed to expand in the U.S. Uh, they had to cap certain things regionally. Um, but my, it continues to happen even if it's regulated. That's not to say that regulations should be thrown away. I know the anarchists out there say, oh, this is why we don't need a regulation. But we, <laughs> we, we've had cryptocurrency you know, exchanges not have any kind of oversight, and they just you know go, you know, go completely up and there's no recourse. A whole other conversation for another podcast, but yeah... Uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, scams and fraud take place uh, in, in both of those ecosystems.
0: Yeah, and, and just to, uh, to put a bow on, on Revolut, um, you're right. Uh, uh, their CFO did, uh, did resign, and, and the, um, the company actually put out uh, a statement uh, thanking him and so on and, and described him as a friend, uh, and uh, just kind of a, a weird coincidence they, they said uh, with regard to uh, some of the things that were happening uh, with their compliance issues. And it's, again, if, if we get into the weeds, that's the problem. It's, it's more looking at the, 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 the ecosystem and, again, that tension that exists between trying to, on the one hand, be the hotshot cryptocurrency that makes promises about decentralization, permissionlessness, peer-to-peer this and that, and then trying to market that to mom and dad, trying to make it, retail and uh and do that in a in a in a regulated environment there's there's just a lot of tension and uh, some really interesting issues that 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 uh that arise as, as we're seeing in real time so you're the perfect person to have on to talk about this so uh before i let you go and i, I told you half an hour and i i've done nothing but lie to you <laughs> i kept you on for even longer um let's let's uh, where where do you see crypto um, you know, for my audience, uh, if you had a crystal ball, you, you've, you're an OG. I mean, you've been in the space, uh, there's again, for a long, long time, and you've, you've seen all the iterations, you know, you're, you're just as familiar as, as most others, and you're obviously on the, the enterprise side of things. Um, what's, your, what's your kind of crystal ball prediction, say, for, uh, well, let, let's limit it to 2019, or if you want to, um, you know, go beyond that, that's fine, but what, what's your general uh, take on, on the future of crypto?
1: Yeah, for what it's worth, I don't think most OGs would call me OG because they're very elitist, elitist like that. But, <laughs> anyways, uh, I'm not trying to market myself as some like old school like Satoshi guy. Um, so the, uh, I guess the prediction I have is, uh, <laughs> uh, without without more real credible oversight, um, you're going to continue to see the same types of uh, shenanigans we, we we continue to see with exchanges, with types of coins being issued without reco- BitConnect. Uh, we. You can clearly see uh, the warning flags um, two years ago and um, you know these exchanges that listed it, they're not giving back any of the money that they got from trading fees yet. They're all like, oh yeah, shame, yeah, BitConnect's totally, we're going to completely dislist it. What, what are you going to do with those funds that you, you, you accumulated from, from these retail investors? That uh. not- so again, I, I don't want to single out you know the worst of the worst, but those continue to persist uh, despite the fact that everyone says, oh no, it's, it's getting better, we're, we're self-regulating. And I just don't see much evidence of that. So. Uh, I, I, I assume that the, the trend that we've seen in the last couple of years in terms of of uh, the illicit activity will continue. Um, I think Japan uh, just announced that they've seen a 10x rise in, in money laundering take place. So again, I, I could talk about the horrible things, and then you could hire someone else on who could be very bullish. <laughs> uh, I, I think that you will have a lot of uh, unfortunate uh, energy towards... These kind of gimmicky—I uh, hate calling Lightning Network complete gimmicky—but it, it really seems, and that's—we of have a whole other episode on, on the the mismanaged expectations. You know, every six, every six weeks, every six months, it's supposed to come out and be out there, and eighteen months. So like, again, it'd be good to have someone who's like hardcore. You'll know, go Lightning, I guess, on the show too, just to, to balance that out. But I, 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 I think that. Uh, without managing expectations, you're going to have fatigue. You're going to have retail users who are like, you know, screw this, I'm going to go do something else. Um, in, unless you have another exuberant you know, period of mania like you did at the end of 2017. Again, I, I don't think that's healthy, by the way, because it, it really brings in uh, the worst scammers in the world who just want to get rich quick. Um, you, you, if anything, you would, you should want to have a, a purging, and if that comes through you know, purging of prices, again, I'm not here to predict price action or whatever, but. Right. um, you can wash those folks out. Only the, the only folks who will stay will be those who actually truly want to build. But again, that's, that's kind of my, my, my view for, for every year, not just 2019. <laughs> very, very cool. Well, um, again, I have taken way too much of your time
0: and, and what an education, man, you, 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 kind of put on a clinic here. I, I, I really do appreciate it. Um, I appreciate the time. Uh, congratulations to you and, and the wife on, on, on the baby. And uh, where, where can people find you? Where where can they find your work if, if they want to follow you?
1: Sure, yeah. I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at of numbers, and my website is ofnumbers.com. Pretty easy. Wonderful. Uh, well, again, my guest has been Tim Swanson. Uh, we'll have
0: links to pretty much everything he cited uh, in the show notes. Um, and, uh, again, a super pleasure. It's been a long time coming, so uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, Edward. Take care.